Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. I also wanted to just um, follow up on uh, how to study the Bible. This is a, a three-week class. It's super fun. It's, it's really for anybody. If you've ever uh, just felt like, I wish I knew how to you know, get more out of my reading or you struggle with your reading a little bit, uh, I would encourage you to come. Again, three weeks. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It's interactive. There's homework I know homework, but it's it's fun homework. It's fun, and so it'll be really good if you want to you want to do that. Uh, I also will mention briefly, no, not too much self promotion, only a tiny little bit. But I do have some copies of my book here in the back. If you'd like one, you can pick that up. And it's on. It's it's for it's. <laughs> I feel bad because anybody that bought it on Amazon paid seventeen ninety nine, but I'll sell you one for fifteen. Um, Anyway, I'm very, uh, I'm excited. That's a lifelong dream for me, and it's it's a lot of fun to see it in actual book form. Uh, I've seen it on computer for months and months, back and forth and back and forth. My uncle, Donna's uncle, actually is an author, and and I've he's walked through the process with me, and he told me early on, he goes, writing a book is easy, editing a book is hard, and I thought well, that doesn't even make sense, and now I know what he was talking about. It is the most tedious process on earth to edit. So in any case, it's there if you want one. Uh, And this morning, we are continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke, all the way up to chapter 11 today, verses 1 through 4, Uh, a passage typically uh, referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And I agree with James. Last week, he mentioned that uh, this really is the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17, where actually Jesus prays. Uh, Here, Jesus doesn't pray as much as he's teaching his disciples how to pray. And so it's really the disciples' prayer. This this particular prayer is recorded both in Matthew and Luke. Probably at least some of you are more familiar with the the Matthew passage. but between the, those two, they're a repeat of the same, same text, really. Uh, it's the only place where Jesus gives us any instruction on prayer. And, and in that, I think it's a very, very important passage. Prayer is such a foundational component in our, our spiritual growth and our spiritual life. Uh, you know, and so uh, to know what Jesus has to say about how we pray, I think, is, is incredibly beneficial. So with that, our title this morning is Teach Us to Pray. Uh, why don't we go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, thanks so much uh, for, the, really, I just, I'm, I'm indebted to you this morning for the Gospels and the stories that we have of Jesus and his interaction with others and the opportunity to peer into his life and see how he lived and what his uh, spiritual growth looked like and how he trained and formed uh, spirituality in the life, lives of others. And so we thank you for this. We thank you for this passage. And I pray that this prayer would uh, move upon our hearts today in such a way that it would increase 
uh, our ability to communicate and commune with you. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and look at it if you want to flash it up there for me. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. One of the uh, key components in discipleship is that the disciple wants to learn. Uh, over the years, I, I've been in ministry for a while now and uh, have uh, at different times invited various young people into sort of discipling relationships. And in some cases, um, I, I've encountered a person who maybe at first uh, s- seems eager, but it doesn't take very long until uh, they kind of lose interest and don't follow through on assignments and really don't show much uh, initiative or effort in learning. And, and you realize that uh, in order to disciple somebody, they have to want to be discipled. That's, that's, really, that's really just the way it works. Uh, otherwise, that person isn't a disciple, they're a project. A true disciple is somebody who really wants to learn and to grow, that is, that's the nature of discipleship. It's a, uh, it's a process, not an event. It doesn't take place overnight. It's, it's long-term, and it's a commitment to walking faith and walking life out with Jesus and with another person. The best description I've ever heard is this. It's a long obedience in the same direction. You might have heard that. It's the title of a book by Eugene Peterson. But interestingly enough, uh, Peterson did not coin that phrase. Frederick Nietzsche coined the phrase. And Nietzsche says this, if you want to go one more. It says, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. There results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. (coughs) That is so true. And while I... um, I'm not necessarily advocating everything Nietzsche would say... This particular quote is, is a really uh, good description of discipleship. <coughs> There's a process by which we walk things out, and there really is value <coughs> in being able to do that in the long run. Long obedience in the same direction. Um, here's the, the rub. The challenging part about that is this, that our culture today, we live in a microwave culture. It's, it's, it's fast food, and it's Amazon Prime, and we want what we want, we want it now, right? Uh, I, I order something on Amazon and, you know, be here uh, Wednesday at this, like, why, 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 how come I can't get that tomorrow? You know what I mean? Well, it's coming from, it's coming from China, but, uh, you, you know, we, we have got this thing in us. We want everything to happen fast, uh, and I think that that sometimes gets carried over into our, our, our discipleship process. We want everything to happen fast. It doesn't work that way. The reality of life in Christ is that, it, it really is developed, it's formed through persistence and through perseverance and through patience and walking, walking, walking out day in, day out, month after month, year after year, pressing into relationship with Jesus. Um, <coughs> man, sorry, you guys, I'm having issues. It's not this, uh, 
you know, quick, uh, get it over with now thing. It really is a, it's a, it's a lifelong process. And, and the truth is this, look, let's be honest. It's not all that flashy either. We like, we like, you know, flashy stuff. We like things to kind of have that air of excitement about them. And discipleship isn't necessarily that. Um, there, there, is, I, I, there is a brand of Christianity out there that kind of leans that way. <laughs> sort of looking for the next big thing. Who's God's man of the hour? What, what conference? What event? What person do I go see? What do I go hear? Uh, and, and I want to say lovingly, uh, graciously, hopefully, humbly, that I think that's a disservice. I think it's a disservice to Jesus, and I think it's a disservice to true discipleship, uh, that it doesn't work that way. Now, I'm not saying that God can't and won't do miracles. God is a God of miracles. He does do miracles. He will do miracles, and we should expect to see miracles. Um, but I'm saying within that, that our character is formed uh, in the crucible of relationship with Jesus. We walk out life with Christ over a period of time. Miracles happen along the way, but, but we really are developed and formed into disciples as we walk that out <coughs> over the long haul. Um, there, there are a couple things, <coughs> kind of fallacies associated with discipleship. Uh, one of them is this, that uh, it's an individual pursuit. And it sounds like this. I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Another is that really getting saved is the main event. And that one sounds like this. Well, I was confronted with the possibility of going to hell, which did not seem like a very good option. So I was told that if I pray this prayer and believe certain things that uh, I, I, I could not go to hell. Uh, so that seemed like a better deal to me. So I, I chose door number two. Uh, I would say that that is a reductionist view of Christianity. <coughs> it's, not, it's not personal, it's communal. When you accept Jesus, you accept membership into the community of believers that are a part of his body, and you can't live that and walk that out on your own. John Wimber put it this way. He said, when you come to Jesus, you accept Christ, his cause, and his community, and it's a package deal. You can't separate one from the other. One of the things that I hear from time to time, not from anybody here, but as I talk to different Christians, I'll hear comments to this effect. Maybe you've heard this too. Well, I, I like Jesus. I just don't like the church very much. Anybody ever heard that? My response is you don't get to make that call. You don't get to make that call. When you accept Jesus, you accept the church. And look, let's admit, the church isn't perfect, right? I, somebody told me once, if you find a perfect church, don't go. You'll ruin it. Um, <laughs> look, that's the deal. We grow together. We walk this thing out together, and we help one another in the process. That's how true discipleship works. And it's not about believing or knowing certain things. That, too, is reductionist Christianity. And, and frankly, it's a, it's a 21st century form of Gnosticism. The Gnostics were this group of people in the first century who believed that they had special knowledge. They had insight. They, had, they knew the mysteries of God, and they were therefore the most spiritual people. 
Everybody else was kind of, eh. They, they were the most spiritual because they had this special knowledge of God. Well, it's not about just a knowledge of God. It's about living and walking in the presence of God every day and, and working through the issues of life in the context of his community. And you do that for the rest of your life. And that's another challenge of discipleship is that you're never really done. You, you can walk with Christ for 50, 60, 70 years and you're still not done. There's still more. He still has something else for you. Discipleship is a transformational process that's ongoing in which we learn to live like Jesus. We walk like Jesus, we talk like Jesus, we look like Jesus, and that's what discipleship is all about. So here in this passage, the disciples, those that have committed themselves, they want to grow and learn, they're following Jesus, and they see Jesus praying, and that really is his habit Jesus was with people a lot. He spent a lot of time with people. He spent some time, a significant amount of time with, with his disciples, and then he spent some time with other people as well, going about and, and you know, doing what he did. Uh, but occasionally, in the process of that, he would pull away by himself for a little while and go off to pray. And everybody realizes that. You can be the most extroverted person on the planet. Sometimes you just need a little break, right? You need to get away. Jesus understood the value of being in the community, but also being able to pull away and spend time alone with God. And he would do that, and he would go off and pray. And his disciples uh, were observant, and they would see that. And they'd go, man, I, he's onto something there. Whatever, you, that, 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 that looks pretty cool. And so they come to Jesus, and they say, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. A couple of... Uh, Parenthetical comments on his response to them. First is that he says, when you pray, but the Greek there is really whenever, not when, whenever you pray. So what he's saying is as often as you pray, every time you pray, when you come to the Father in prayer, say this. And again, he gives him here a model for prayer. Uh, and, and I think there are elements here which we incorporate into our prayer life. It's not so much that this prayer is to be uh, memorized and just recited back verbatim, which is what many of us do and have done as uh, you know from from childhood on. It it really is a model for prayer, and we're going to break it down and look at the different components that we can incorporate into our prayer life that will be beneficial in helping us develop a vocabulary for prayer. And that's something I think I don't know later this year sometime. I want to I want to talk a little bit about uh, vocabulary for prayer, but but in this case. Uh, he, he's really saying, whenever you pray, and here's a model. The second thing is, the you here, when he says, whenever you pray, th that is first person plural. So really, what he's not saying when you pray, or when you pray, he's saying when y'all pray. That's really what this should read right here. And I'm going to talk to the translators and see if they can incorporate that in. When y'all pray, pray this way. That's what he's saying. All of you all? Would, is that, would, that would be the literal. When all of you all, okay. Now, well, well, we'll see if we can get that in there. When you all pray, when all of you all pray. Now, again, I'm not saying here that we shouldn't or don't need, shouldn't have or don't need a personal prayer life. We do. But let me say this. Our personal prayer life 
should be in the context of community. And what I mean by that is, that is this, two things. First, when you're praying on your own, whether you're at home, and we all have our, our devotion time, our habits, how will you do it? I, 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 I pray when I drive, to be honest. That's just, when I'm driving, I find that, that that's a good time for me to spend time in prayer. So from time to time, I'll turn the radio off or the, the iPod off and just spend a little time in prayer. I think it, it's, a, it's a good way for me to focus and, and to use that time. You might do it differently, that's okay. But uh, the point is, when we pray on our own, if all of our prayers are focused on ourselves, we're falling short. Even when we pray, our heart, our intent, should be focused on uh, who God is, what he's doing, and how he's working in the midst of community. And we should be praying for other people. We should be praying for, uh, pray, we should be praying for, for world events. I don't know about you, when I see something on television, on the news, a disaster some way, somewhere, it, it, it spurs me to say, God, oh, Lord, touch those people. Be with those people right now, you know? Um, uh, so, so even our personal prayer life, should have a community focus to it. Second thing is this. Um, I, I, wanna, I would say this. If, if you never pray with other people, you're missing out. I think you're really missing out. And, and this is a little hard to describe, but there is something that happens. There's a dynamic that takes place when you pray with other people that in my experience is not reproduced anywhere else. It's different than worship. It's different than this. It, it, there's just something that happens when you pray together with others that is a unique experience in the presence of God. Uh, some of you know, all of you know, we have a prayer meeting here every Tuesday morning at 6.30. And uh, we can, th there it is. Look at that. Um, Basically, from time to time, somebody drops in, but pretty much there are four of us who pray every week. Almost always there. And uh, no, no guilt, no shame. But I want to say this, that I think there, there is a connection that happens. The four of us have developed a, a level of relationship just by praying together every week that you can't really replicate. In, in, in any other way. It's, it's really, and, and you could ask, you know, any one of them, I think they would all agree. There's something that takes place in that process of just praying together. There's an intimacy and, a, and a, a, just a depth of relationship that's developed uh, in the context of prayer that, that you, you really can't get. Here, I, I want to I challenge you with something this morning. If, I want you to think about if uh, in your life right now, if there's any strained relationship in your, in your uh, it could be anything, could be a family member, coworker, neighbor, your boss. I was going to bad word, boss, but any strained relationship. I would challenge you to do this. Just begin to pray for that person. Just begin to ask God to bless. You know, don't pray that God would strike them dead. But pray for that person. Just begin to ask God's blessing on them. Here's the thing. It will change your heart. I'll tell you, it is virtually impossible to stay at, mad at somebody when you're praying for them. It, you can't do it. 
After a while, you, your heart begins to change. I would challenge you, any strained relationship, you, you don't have to say anything to that person. You don't have to go to that person. I mean, at some point, God might direct you to do that. But I would say, just begin by praying for that person and see what happens in your own heart as you do. Um, whenever you all pray, say, and there are five things here. I'm going to briefly introduce these five things this morning. And then down the road, at some point, we're going to come back, circle back around to this and, and look at them each in a little more detail, but just in summary. The first is, hallowed be your name. Here's the thing about that, is that hallowed is a word that we don't ever use in any other context. We never say hallowed. The only time I've ever heard hallowed is a couple times, like in a college football game, when USC is playing in the Rose Bowl, and they say, in the hallowed halls of USC. That, I've, I've heard that like once or twice. But other than that, we never use that word. We don't, we don't, it's not in our vocabulary, and so it's a, it's a strange way to start the prayer. Uh, really, it, it is you know, keeping God's name holy. It's honoring God's name. It's really setting God's name apart. It's that God's name is distinct and shouldn't be used for other things. And, that, and that's, a t that's a, again, uh, an issue I want to develop more later. But we begin by praying, hallowed be your name. Your name, O God, is different, separate, distinct, unique from any other name. And the second thing he says is pray for your kingdom to come. This is, this is the core prayer. That's the foundational prayer for, for everything we do is that the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God would come to bear on this situation. So when someone's ill and we want them to be healed, we say, let your kingdom come into this sickness, into this illness and drive it away. When, when, when we're financially in a difficult situation, we say, Lord, let your kingdom come into my situation right now that I might have the resource I need to help uh, take care of the things I need to take care of. Whatever it is, that's the core prayer. Your kingdom come. It's, it's a looking for and longing for the kingdom of God, the rule of God to be manifest in our current situation or the situation of whoever we might be praying for. It's the same with others, you know. Third thing is, give us this day our daily bread. And this is a prayer for provision, uh, but really, in my mind, it's more than that. It's a prayer of dependence. Uh, daily bread is kind of the, that's the bottom level, right? That's the core thing to get by. Uh, and, I, and I think what this prayer communicates to me is that I'm dependent upon God for everything. I have nothing. I, I don't have a bologna sandwich without God's provision in my life, and I'm acknowledging that before you today. Lord, I need you to provide my daily bread for me. And at this point, I will invite the worship team to come back up so they have enough time to get ready before I finish and my worship leader doesn't scold me later. Zoe. But she's so nice when she does it. The next little phrase here is forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. And really, this is a prayer for right relationship with God and right relationship with other people. And the thing about that is they go hand in hand. Here's the deal. I'll be honest with you. You, you cannot have a right relationship with God if, you're, if these relationships on this level are not correct. And you can't have relationships on this level correct if your relationship with God isn't correct. They go, they're connected to one to another. And so we pray, Lord, 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. And we need to have our hearts in the right place with God so that our, our connection with other people can be right as well. And again, we'll develop that further later, but it's important that those two things go hand in hand. And then the last thing he says is, lead us not into temptation. Uh, and look, it's real, right? Temptation is out there. The enemy is real. Warfare is real. It's all there. Uh, it's just a click away. And so when Jesus tells the disciples Lead us not in temptation. It's a, it's a prayer for protection from the, the wiles of the enemy that come against us sometimes in such subtle ways and such uh, kind of, he's very deceitful. He's, sneak, he's, he's, he's sneaky. We underestimate his sneakiness. Uh, the, the devil can be very sneaky in how he comes at you. And so it's lead us not into that. Help us. Be protected from those things. And so there you go. There's a little brief summary of um, how the kingdom works in the context of the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer. Uh, and again, we'll develop that more later. But it's a prayer really asking God to transform our lives and make us kingdom people. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.